Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 110 called Allie. Hey everyone, it's Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally, and we wanted to tell you about an amazing event we're hosting on Saturday, April 17th. The event is called Fertility Rally Live, an all-day virtual celebration of the infertility community for anyone and everyone building their modern families and seeking empowerment, education, support, and community. Our speakers are some of the biggest names and brightest minds in the infertility community and beyond. Our morning keynotes are Mina Starsiak-Hawk and Steve Hawk from HGTV's Good Bones. And our afternoon keynote is Jessica Zucker, PhD and author of the acclaimed memoir, I Had a Miscarriage. In addition to those two amazing keynotes, we're hosting a couples panel, a female physicians panel, and 16 breakout sessions covering everything we could squeeze into one day, including surrogacy, IVF, pregnancy after infertility, male factor infertility, donor conception, embryo adoption, recurrent pregnancy loss, and so much more. There will also be tons of giveaways all day long from fertility-friendly and wellness brands. And of course, a happy hour with a very special guest, a VIP after party, and a virtual swag bag worth hundreds of dollars. If you or someone you know is navigating infertility, you will love our event. We are here to empower and educate you and have some fun along the way, of course. Tickets are on sale now at fertilityrally.com. Head over to our IG at Fertility Rally for even more info on speakers and tickets. We can't wait to rally with you. Guys, I'm so excited to tell you about Belly for Women Prenatal, which just hit the market. 92% of women don't get even close to the 450 milligrams of recommended choline they need in their diets. And in a recent study, most prenatals don't contain much of any choline at all. Belly's women's formula includes 400 milligrams of choline. Belly did things differently when they created their prenatal. They looked at the research and they evaluated what key ingredients were needed to help women prepare their bodies to be the healthiest they can to conceive, grow, and welcome new little lives. Belly is formulated with the right nutrients to help boost your fertility, increase egg quality, and support IVF to increase your chances of conception and a healthy pregnancy. Then once you're pregnant, Belly is gentler on the stomach to reduce the effects of morning sickness made with methylated B vitamins and the right amount of choline to support your baby's development. To get started with Belly, go to bellybaby.com and use code ALLIE15 for 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code ALLIE, A-L-I-1-5 at bellybaby.com. That's B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. Thanks, Belly. Hi, it's Kanika, and I'm back with a brand new season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview parenting experts, world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and trailblazing entrepreneurs on their incredible life stories and mom sense experiences. Hi, I'm Gabby Bernstein, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's me, Bobby Brown, on Total Mom Sense. Can't wait to share my story. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. Pandemic or not, these episodes will inspire you to make every single day count. Episodes release on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Join my tribe and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Okay, guys, so let me tell you about Allie Egan. She is the founder and CEO of Veracity, 
which is a skincare line. And prior to founding Veracity, she was the CEO of women's fashion brand, Cynthia Raleigh. And she is not only a badass entrepreneur, she's a fertility warrior. She's become a good friend of mine. And today we're talking about everything she went through to have her baby, including a diagnosis of Hashimoto's, not telling a soul that she and her husband were going through IVF, a pregnancy of unknown location, the suggestion at one point that maybe they should take out one of her tubes, and so much more. So without further ado, this is Allie's infertility story. Hello. I love a fellow Allie. <laughs> yes. All the Allies. <laughs> all the Allies. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. It's great to talk to you. I always like to start at the very beginning, which is kind of, did you always want to be a mom? Yeah, I did always want to be a mom, but I wouldn't say it was like, I never felt this, like I want to be a mom by X time or anything like that. It was just something that I felt I knew would happen at, at some point in my life. And, you know, I was I think, I think you also met your husband quite young, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I met my husband. Well, yeah, that's really young. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We were 16, uh, which is crazy. That's so cute. But we met, we were 21 and, you know, we kind of, you, you know, and you know, and like that you have your person. So I feel really lucky, but in a way, I think it made us like not rush to be like, you know, oh, we should start having kids or family plan or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I was like super, super career focused, but, mm-hmm. but in the back of my mind knew I always wanted to have a family and, and be a mom. How did you guys meet? We met in college in undergrad. We actually met, so we we both went to the University of Virginia, but we met on like a study abroad trip. So I actually met him in Heathrow Airport. So that was that was a fun Well, that's a good trip. story. What happened? Well, we were both dating other people at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing happened then, but we just kind of like had this spark that ignited and then broke up with our significant others and and then started dating um, our senior year of college and uh, you know, the rest is history. Okay. So when you guys so you got together at 21, how long before you guys got married? We got married when we were 27. So mm-hmm. a little while, um, we got, mm-hmm. you know, engaged and had the longer engagement, all that kind of stuff. So we got married in fall of 2013. Uh, and then I actually started business school the following year in, uh, 2014. So we were kind of like still not even in family, family mode at that point. Was anything happening with your fertility or like, had you ever had any problems with like periods or like weird cycles or anything like that growing up? I had nothing, but the, like looking back on it, you know, I had been on hormonal birth control. And then when I went to business school, I actually got an IUD for like, since I was 17 years old. So I had no like insight into what was going on or potentially going on. And honestly, like it's one of my biggest regrets now because I think it's so important for for women to have that, you know, health check, right? And to um what's going on. And it's just, you know, for just women get prescribed birth control for so many reasons from Mm -hmm. like, you know, I work in skincare and like Mm -hmm. I can't tell you like how many people are like, I got put on harm like birth control because of my skin. Mm -hmm. Um so 
you know, not nothing that I knew of until, you know, until we were actually trying, which was like super frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we talk all the time about how it would be so nice if at a certain age, women just had like kind of a baseline test of, you know, like before they were even considering having kids. Cause I feel like so many of us go into this so blind, not thinking there's going to be an issue and you don't really realize it until you're in the midst of it. And then you're like, holy shit, what's going on? I had no idea. Right. And like the, the frustrating thing is some things with fertility, like there are natural remedies too, right. Where you can like change your diet, like get on certain supplements and and sometimes things are able to work themselves out, which is great. But like that requires a lot of time. And like, I guess to just get into it, like, you know, I had, I, I went to business school and I mm-hmm. got in an IUD. Did you IUD go to Harvard in, Business School, by the way? <laughs> I, I did go to Harvard Business School. <laughs> That's pretty fucking impressive. Oh, thank you. Um, yes. No, it was it was it was wonderful and like honestly, such a great experience. And like I had, you know, I, I definitely had a couple of people ask me like they're like, "Oh, are you gonna have a kid while you're at business school?" I'm like, "What? No." I'm like, I am like. I just got into Harvard business school. Like I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to like accelerate my career. It's like the first time in, you know, since I started working that I'm going to have a break and I'm going to travel and do like awesome fun things. And so, right. What um, were your like business goals? I know you worked with, you were CEO of Cynthia Rowley, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I had been in, I started my career in, in finance. So mm -hmm. it was on investment banking and then private equity. And I went, I had seen from working with some of our companies that we had investments in that I was like, I really want to kind of be on the other side of the table and like be running a business. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like I had, I really wanted this like left brain, right brain balance where Mm -hmm. I was like doing both of those things. So, so I went to business school with that sort of like, you know, trying to make that transition. And after I went to work for SA Lauder and worked at three of their big brands, Clinique, Gorgons, and La Mer. Um, wow. And then I joined Cynthia Rally as CEO um, mm-hmm. before before launching my company now. That's Veracity, incredible. So. so yeah, tell us about Veracity real quick before we get back to your story. Yeah, well, it kind of comes full... It, honestly, like because of my infertility journey is really uh, what inspired the, the business. So I can kind of get into it throughout. I'm sure I'll like regurgitate this, but um, but basically, you know, I, I had this skin issue, um, with like, I had these like dry patches uh, above my eyes and, and it came out of nowhere. And I went, what through like what a lot of women do where, you know, you're like, okay, let me talk to my dermatologist, like Google, literally everything under the sun, like try all these different products. And, and I couldn't get any relief from this. Like it would get better for a little bit and then come back and, and it wasn't until I went through this infertility journey that I realized that my um, skin issue was caused by an imbalance in my thyroid that I found out through infertility testing and and led me to create veracity. And you know, again, I can get into this a little more, okay. but you know, we are basically a, a, we're really trying to help people get to the root causes of their skin issues mm-hmm. through proactive testing. And so we have an at-home skin plus health test that Mm -hmm. helps you to sort of uncover what's going on and driving your skin. And then we provide like personalized um, recommendations, both for your skin and sort of more holistically too. So that's really cool. It's really cool. Really well (laughs) needed and like disruptive, right? There's nothing really out there like that right now. So that's no, no, that's what I wanted to provide is like personalization. That's like actually health driven. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, not just some like dumb kind of like quiz that you fill out and you're like, okay, these were the products I was going to choose anyway. And I just really hate these like 
like skin, no one really knows what their skin type is and it's not really helpful. Or right. Or they give you like changes. three options, right? It's like dry, oily combination. And you're like, there's got to be a million other options here. Yeah. Or you're like, what day are you talking about? Exactly. Like, it's different every day. <laughs> completely. Completely. Well, that's amazing. So yeah, let's talk about that more, but continuing on with your story. So what happened when you and your husband did start to finally try to have kids? So we took like a relaxed approach, which I think a lot of people do. And I had had this IUD in. And so we're like, well, let's just get it taken out and kind of just like stop not trying. And so I got it taken out like, you know, a year or so into working at SA Lauder. And I was like, all right, you know, then probably, you know, within four or five months or something, I could be pregnant or, you know, at least like on the way to there. So I got my IUD taken out and I didn't get a period. And at first, like, honestly, I I started Googling things. I'm like, can you get pregnant when you don't get a period? And like, it honestly wasn't even definitive. So I didn't even freak out at first. I was like, oh, I guess like, you know, maybe I could just, that would be great if I never got a period and I could just get pregnant and and go from there. But, you know, as time went on, I was like, yeah, I, I actually started doing more research. And I'm like, this isn't right. I talked to my OB and she was like, I think you, um, she gave me the Provera, you know, the progesterone challenge. And Mm -hmm. I did that twice and still didn't get a period. And so she then referred me to a reproductive endocrinologist, Mm -hmm. um, which like, I hadn't even heard of what that was before. Right. Same. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, great. This entirely new world. Yeah. And so I went to go see her and, you know, I was so person, you know, on the, my personal life, I'm a, a big runner. And so mm-hmm. I had been running marathons and what have you. And so they diagnosed me with hypothalamic amenorrhea, which again, I never heard of before. Right. Either. Yeah. What is that exactly? Um, yeah, so basically, it's it's that your hypothalamus turns off more or less the sort of signals to your body, the hormonal signs that you know to ovulate, um, and it can be caused by a bunch of different reasons. For me, they probably thought it was like you know the amount of exercise I was getting and mm-hmm. and a sort of like an energy imbalance, and and again, that's like something that can be solved, right? Over you know making sure you eat more, maybe like exercise a little less. But I went in and the RE was like, you know, we could solve this on on our own, but like it could take more than a year. And then I can't tell you definitively that, you know, you'll start ovulating again. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so scary. Like what? Yeah. Um, but she was like super optimistic because I guess at this point I was, I think I was 31 and was like, oh, you and I, my AMH was like off the charts high. And mm-hmm. she was like, nope we will just start IVF and you'll be like pregnant in no time. And I was like, Whoa, like what? Something (laughs) from that to IVF. Yeah. Because, uh, because she was like, your AMH is so high. I don't want to put you on your AMH is so high and your baseline stats are so far from ovulating that like, if you did like a Clomid cycle, I doubt that, you know, it would even work and we don't want to give you just like injectables because we're, you know, you're, you would be at too high of a risk of like multiples and, Mm -hmm. and what have you. So it was sort of like just jumping like into the deep end of the pool and like, okay, let's start on IVF, which was like really scary, you know, cause honestly there, there's all these issues with, um, you know, my husband and I had never even like contemplated that we would have to go through that. And like, right. you know, we're like, are we even like 
comfortable with IVF and like, right. you know, his, his whole family is like super Catholic and we're like, mm. can, can we tell them that kind of thing? So honestly, we were like super quiet about it. Didn't like literally didn't tell a soul. Mm. Um, but, didn't but tell his family started, either. No, didn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. And, but started on sort of the, the protocol and through this, like, you know, they sent me for all the sort of initial testing. Um, and this is when I got diagnosed first with hypothyroidism. So Hashimoto's, which was actually the thing that was causing my skin issues. Right, um, okay. But even then they were just kind of like, oh, okay, you have a thyroid problem. Like here's, here's a pill um, and you'll be fine. So did that. And then, you know, just kind of jumped straight into IVF, did my first uh, retrieval and got four embryos. So I was like, oh, that seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you deal you with know, all the stims and all the drugs and the protocol in general? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, like, honestly, my biggest like complaint was that I was like super bloated. And at mm-hmm. this point I was working at Cynthia Rally, And so, you know, part of my job was wearing like beautiful clothes every day. And like, right. you know, when I would go to meetings and so it's like, oh man, like these are not very forgiving clothes when you're like feeling like huge and bloated, Completely. but like, <laughs> were you able to tell anybody at work or anything? Or you just um, didn't tell us all, like you said, and Cynthia is actually the only person that I told. Um, and she had actually gone through it herself. So she was like extremely supportive, which was really nice yeah, to have. So nice to have that, especially in your, a boss, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, other than that, it was again, completely to myself and, you know, went through the first IVF cycle. The, my biggest regret, like now looking back on it is, you know, they had asked us like, do you want to do um, genetic testing on the embryos? And, mm. and I was like, again, just so naive. And right. like, the sad thing is like, you only like learn this stuff through going through the process, but I was like, oh, like, what are the benefits of that? And they're like, oh, you, you know, you know whether it's a good embryo. But my RE had said, oh, well, you're young, so most of yours should be good anyway. And you're starting this like process that's like so expensive. And I'm like, well, like, if ours are pretty much going to be good anyway, like, why would we like incur that extra cost now? And, right. And what have you? So we didn't do genetic testing on our embryos for you know this cycle. So mm-hmm. we you know got four and just they picked the best one. And, uh, we did our first transfer and I got the call and I was pregnant, but like kind of in the back, they were like, but you know, your HCG is 30, which is okay, but it's on the lower end. I was like, Mm -hmm. whatever, like it's positive. And so that means I'm pregnant, right? Like, great. Right. And then I'd like, you know, you'd get your first test and then you go back like two days later or whatever, and you keep getting, tested and, and my HCG was going up, but it wasn't, it wasn't going up as fast as they wanted it to. And so they start to get worried. And this was like the beginning of like, just craziness for, for us, because Uh I think it was like a week later, they, you know, made the decision. They're like, we, this is a, maybe an octopic pregnancy. Uh And they brought me in the problem was they kept doing, they, I, I must've gone in like four or five times and gotten scanned mm-hmm. and they couldn't find, they couldn't even find the ectopic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're like, we think it's ectopic, but like it was also, there was like technically a pregnancy of unknown location. I was just going to say that I had this, I had the same thing. It was te- a pregnancy of unknown location. And you're like, yeah, you're what? like, what does that mean? How is like, that even a thing? Get in yeah. there and find it. 
exactly. Which like through this time, it was, uh, it was so for me, I was like, oh my gosh, like, just like, if I'm already going to lose it, like, let's just get like, figure it out, like get rid of it. And it was a pretty crazy time, like thinking back on it because my husband like felt so bad for him. He he was like more worried about me, right? Because there's whole like the risk of rupture and right. like all this stuff. And I was kind of like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> like I don't want to feel fine. So they before they had you know even identified it, I got methotrexate, which I think is like the standard mm-hmm. um, get rid of this thing. Yeah, and it's supposed to for most people it resolves within one or two shots. So. I got one shot and was, they were still taking my HCG and it wasn't going, it was actually still going up, like not crazy amounts. Uh So I got my second one, same thing. Uh, Was Um, it making you feel sick or like, what were your um? No, honestly, the worst part was like my, uh, my RE's office, like they would just call me and the way they like handled it made me feel like like it was a life or death situation in like mm. a really scary way. So like, I remember I was going to a meeting for like at Cynthia rally and I got a call as literally as I was about to walk into a meeting and they were like, you need to come to the Upper East side right now and get this like methotrexate shot. And I'm oh like, God. what? Like I, but I have like, literally I'm about to walk into a meeting. They're like, can you cancel it? So I like, you know, I'm trying to balance like not telling anyone and, and going through this and, and working like a crazy full-time job and also like skirting off like across town to get like a crazy, like cancer drug, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So, so that was crazy. So then I, after my second shot, I'd gone back in to my RE and she was like, it was, uh, you know, you know how you go in like early in the morning. And so ironically, my main RE actually had a baby in this time. So I was like switched to another doctor in the same office Uh and she did a scan and still didn't find it. But she was like, have you eaten breakfast today? And I was like, no, it's like 7am. And I just, you know, I got Mm -hmm. here and she's like, well, we could just like take the tube out today. Uh, I'm like, what? And I, it, I was just like, no. And, you know, I, I think so many women go through this. Like, I'm like, I didn't have that big of an infertility issue. It was more of like a timing thing. And now you're talking about like taking out one of my tubes, like wow. what, what the, and you can't even see it on like ultrasound. So what, which tube are you going to take out? So at that point I was like, no, like I, I can't do this. Um, like, let's just, you know, wait a couple of days kind of thing. And this, at this point it was around, uh, Thanksgiving. So a few days later, like we're, uh, I think I'd gone in for, you know, my HCG test again. Um, I was literally about to go to my in-laws for the Thanksgiving break. I had my, I literally had my dog with me because Mm -hmm. I was taking her like to my in-laws house. And again, they call me like kind of freaking out and they're like, you need to come back and we're going to send you to this other like ultrasound place so we can, you know, make sure we see it. And so I go with, with literally with my dog mm-hmm. to uh, an ultrasound um, like specialist where they could, you know, have better imaging. Uh, and they finally located the ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're like, well, I guess at least, you know, we know that it's here. 
And that's when I tried to get um, my lot, like a third dose of methotrexate because I really, really didn't want to, you know, get my tube removed. Right. And sorry, long story short. No, don't be sorry. um, This is so interesting. And I'm so sorry that you went through all of this. No, it's okay. So, you know, I was like, okay, after this third dose, like I should definitely be taken care of. So it was just so dramatic. Like, uh, again, uh, I was about to go to one of my best friends uh, from business school. They were getting married to each other. uh, Mm -hmm. And I was like, had my bag packed, was ready to like go to California to go to their wedding. And my RE called me again and was like, your, your HCG still isn't down. Like, I don't think you should get on the airplane. Oh I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so at that point, we finally decided like, okay, I guess we have to like have surgery. And so, so I got my tube removed and. Did you um, go right it, into surgery or what was the timing on that? Yeah. Or it was like a day or two later. It was, oh it was gosh. like pretty close after that. Um, so wait, let me ask you this. How are you feeling emotionally? I mean, I feel like now we're, you know, it's in the past and you can kind of talk about it a little more lightly, but like, this must've been really hard. It was so traumatic. Like I, yeah. I feel like I now still even have a little bit of PTSD about it because totally. it wasn't just like I, we failed. It was just this like huge thing. And my husband was like, was like, your life is at risk. And I was like, no, it's not like, it's fine. He's like, no, it it actually is. And so we had gone from like, let's like start slow. And then just felt like we had been catapulted into this like insane world um, that again, we weren't telling anyone about. So it was, it was like pretty lonely too. Mm -hmm. Totally. Had you, Um, you had, you told any of your like best friends or anything or no? Not, not really, honestly, like, because we're like, we had made the decision not to tell our families and it felt, it felt weird to, to, you know, keep that secret from our families and tell other people. So, right. Right. Yeah. So I totally get that, but it's such a burden on yourself to not be able to like call somebody, you know, I really wish we had like, yeah, but it's so hard because I totally understand why you didn't, you know, it's, you don't really know what to do when you're in the thick of it. Exactly. And you just want to go through it and be like, oh, I'm pregnant and then just get to have like a happy, normal pregnancy like everyone else, you Completely. know? And yep. that's what I like totally thought was going to happen. So, so here we are then, you know, a few months into this and I, now I only have one of my tubes and I've just had three doses of this like crazy cancer drug. Mm-hmm. So they make you wait, um, at least three months after having it to, to even try again, because they don't want it to like pass on, um, you know, to the embryo. So, so we had to like, you know, have a, a break. And then I was, I, you know, I, I was like, all right, let's, you know, we got pregnant one time, we got really freaking unlucky and now we're just going to do the next transfer and it's going to work out and we'll be fine. So we did two more transfers, both uh, negative pregnancy. So it didn't, oh, didn't work. So sorry. Um, and at that point I was like, you know, that was like really disappointing. Now, like three of our four embryos were gone and we're mm-hmm. like, and they couldn't give us any reasoning why. And like, they just kept like my protocol didn't change either, which was like now again, looking back on it, like, I feel like I should have been like a bigger advocate for Mm -hmm. my like own health and been like, well, why, like, why isn't this working? You know, they were kind of like, well, maybe the embryos like aren't good, but you know, between these four, like they'll, one of them will be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so we finally did the last transfer and I got pregnant Okay, and uh, super excited, went in for my, you know, whatever it is, five or six weeks. They did the first scan. They saw like what they were supposed to see. They gave me a due date and I was just like over the moon. Right. Mm. And then I went in for my next follow-up appointment and they like, they were expecting to see the heartbeat and they didn't see it. Um, Oh, sorry. That's so hard. Yeah. And so like, and honestly, like at that point, like I just, I, I like felt, I felt so pregnant I felt like there was this, you know, my child like in me and, and they were just like, after the first scan, they're like, okay, well now we can like sort of do a DNC or whatever. And I was like, well, no, like let's wait because maybe like it needs a few more days. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I pushed and, and kept getting a few more scans and then it became clear that like, it just really wasn't, you know, I'd had a miscarriage. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and so then I ended up having to have a a DNC and, and honestly, like that was like, the like one of the worst moments of my life like I Mm -hmm. remember them like putting giving me like the anesthesia um to go under and I was just like bawling crying oh I'm so (laughs) sorry yeah because like not only did I lose a baby but like then we had you know we were kind of like starting over like what what are we gonna do like we don't have any more embryos left and exactly it was just very like it felt very bleak. Um, right, completely. How are you guys doing relationship wise? Because I talk a lot about how this was really hard on my marriage. Was it hard on you guys, or were you able to kind of? I mean, of course, it was. I'm sure it was hard in some ways, right? It was so hard. I mean, yeah. I I feel like the good thing is that Jim, my husband, has been just so um, supportive. But you know. I, I feel like each person like experiences it so differently, right? Like the the woman because it's like her body. And I feel like men are maybe just like a little bit more like like chill about it. And that mm-hmm. sometimes like creates tension, right? Because you're like, no, I want to do the transfer as soon as humanly possible. Completely. <laughs> yep. But but honestly, like I I am somewhat thankful because it it showed me like how much he just loves me and like wants to support me. And so like, you know, now having been through that, I think it's made us like stronger, but like at the time, was it like crazy? Yeah. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it was nuts, but right. So at this point, you know, we're like now more than like two years into this whole thing. And we're like, okay, uh, we need to like change something because this is like, you know, not okay. Like mm-hmm. we feel like we've just been like not given information. Like I didn't even know an, what an ectopic pregnancy was and like all information just like kept coming up as it was like a dire situation. It felt like, and so right. we're like, I think we just need to like find a new doctor mm-hmm. and start over. And so I literally probably like researched every single reproductive endoc- endocrinologist in New York city and, it then went and interviewed like four of them. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we found, we found a new doctor who I felt like from the beginning was like, well, let's look at, you know, let's literally look at every single thing that we have numbers on and started looking like more into things that hadn't been explained to me, like my thyroid and was like, Oh, I guess the, the one thing I forgot to mention is when I had the DNC on the last, on the miscarriage, 
they tested the embryo afterwards um, mm. and it was normal. Mm. And so that was like a super red flag because they just like had told me like assumed like, oh, you know, these embryos just aren't normal and one of them won't be normal. Right, right. And so like if the last one they transferred was normal, like it's likely that all of them were normal and mm-hmm. there was something else going on. So so they also, my new doctor referred me to a reproductive um, immunologist because mm. they were like, you have this autoimmune thyroid thing. It could be something else that's going on that your body's like, you know, rejecting the embryos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went like, I just went, honestly went full throttle and we did, <laughs> we did another round of IVF, like a retrieval and I saw this reproductive um, immunologist who like ran tests that like I'd never even heard of. And, mm-hmm. um, and then between the two of them just like put me on like a totally different protocol, which was, you know, spoiler alert, ultimately successful. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, it's crazy though. Cause like, I have no idea what worked. Like, you know, they put me on, um, on Lovenox shots, like, mm-hmm. um, during uh, the transfer, then I was also on uh, like a steroid for a lot longer. And I did this um, like uh, crazy uh, treatment called IVIG. Have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. But yeah, explain yes. what it is for people who yeah. might not know. So it's like literally a drip that you get done and it takes like four hours. Like you, it, and I think it's used for like, honestly, it's also used for like AIDS patients and stuff like, Mm -hmm. um, and it's to, it's like, um, immunoglobin, like transfer that's supposed to like, basically basically from what I understand, it's like a huge anti-inflammatory. Um, and when you have, for me, like when you have Hashimoto's or some certain autoimmune conditions, it's, you know, all like inflammatory. And so what can be like happen sometimes is your body, like, you know, has inflammation and and won't allow the embryo to implant successfully and and all this kind of stuff. Um, Again, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. I don't know everything. Um, But so we did these like crazy IVIG um, treatments. And then, you know, I was giving myself these Lovenox shots for up to like 30, 28 or 30 weeks in my pregnancy. But but it finally worked. And Mm. we had um, our son, Cooper, this past August. Wow. During a pandemic. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. I was thinking about it and, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, Oh my God, you were like pregnant had a kid during a pandemic. And, and quite honestly, like it felt that part part felt easier than like (laughs) everything that we had been uh, do like dealing with up until that point. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, Oh, pandemic sure fine it's like as long as I'm pregnant and the baby is healthy like I don't even care completely well I feel like once you go through infertility and the roller coaster and so many ups and downs you can kind of get through anything like it puts things in perspective right where you're like that was complete hell and this I can handle and and the waiting right like I think like I'm a super type a person like Mm -hmm. you know I went to freaking Harvard business school I'm like okay (laughs) what do I need to do when do I need to do it like And that's like, you know, in the beginning of like infertility treatments that can almost be empowering because you're like, oh, okay, here's my doctor's appointments. Like, this is what I have to do. Here's the plan. Yes. Yeah. Here's the plan. Um, And then there's like so much waiting involved, whether it's like just the two week wait or for us, like when we, you know, had to wait three plus months after the methotrexate, like, and you just get, I think you just finally get comfortable with like 
knowing that you're not going to know immediately. And that's like over the pandemic, I feel like that's something that like actually was, has been useful. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that. But I I think it is so hard to, and you know, a lot of people I talk to and a lot of our fertility rally members to talk about how a lot of us are like type A personalities. And it's like, if I want something, I do all the things to get it and I get it, you know, like that, and and that that's how it works in so many areas of your life. You work really hard at something and you make it happen, but with infertility, it doesn't work that way. And it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating. Yeah. And there's so many variables and so many things out of your control and so many things the doctors don't even know still, you know, there's everybody's so different. I told like from me and this whole experience, what I've learned the most is like, you just have to be like your own advocate. Like, and you know, when I had gone through this, like when I had gone through the miscarriage and I, I literally started reading like uh, every book I could get my hands on, and like really felt like I like I went through all of my like own labs like legitimately I like requested for my RE I'm like I want to see like all my labs and I went good through for you because I'm like you just it's not only like it, it's time and time is so precious and I feel like you know it's not necessarily their fault but they're like okay here's a, you know here's kind of our system and we try and then we try again and like mm-hmm. you know that sounds okay when it's like you know, at a, at a broader sort of level, like, but when it's you and it's like, no, like every month and every, like, I don't want to have any more failed transfers. Mm -hmm. Cause like, I don't know for you, if if you had any failed transfers, but like that feels like a loss, even if you never get a positive pregnancy test. Right. So yeah, no, luckily I only did the one round of IVF and it was, I was so lucky that it was successful. So I didn't have a failed transfer, but so many people do, you know, multiple yeah. fails and it's right. really tricky. The, the other thing that like, I realized like when it, I, we were finally successful, that was just, you know, I, I feel like it's just a part of my identity now, identity now, because after having losses and I know you had some losses, like mm-hmm. you just realize like, you're never going to have like a normal pregnancy, or at least like for me, I'm not like, I, instead of just being like over, like I was over the moon, but like, I was, I was scared. Like Mm -hmm. every single appointment, like Mm -hmm. I was like, please like, let me see the heart. Let me see like what's going on. And, and that was the craziest thing with COVID because when we finally went in for our 20 week appointment, my husband wasn't allowed So it was like just me. So I'm like, you know, laying there, like just terrified that like dreading then yeah. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I've just been like trained to be disappointed and, Mm -hmm. and thankfully that that didn't happen. But like, you know, there's just like some scarring aspect where I think, you know, what people I wish talked about more is like, you know, it's okay that, um, it's okay that you aren't like that you're nervous and scared and, and aren't just so casual about it. Like other people get to be, and and it's frustrating, but like, it's just sort of the, the, the way that like experience shapes you, you know? 100%. And you know, we've been talking about that a lot more as the pregnancy after infertility, a pregnancy after loss. And you're exactly right. It's so complicated. And you also, a lot of women say, and I've felt this way too, 
you don't want to complain. And right. because right. you feel like you're so lucky to be there. And if you complain, people will be like, well, you wanted this. You worked so hard to have it, which is kind of fucked up, right? Because like, yeah, it's still <laughs> hard and you can still, of course, complain. It doesn't mean that pregnancy is easy. So I think that's something too, that I'm glad that you mentioned it. And I'm glad that people are talking about that more. We actually started doing a pregnancy after infertility support group every Monday night at fertility rally. Cause we feel like people need, oh, that. yeah, people need that level of support too. And like our members were becoming pregnant, thankfully over the last year since we launched in June, but it was like, we didn't want to be like, all right, cool. Bye. You're pregnant. You know, like you still need yeah. that support because it's, you're still going through trauma and the PTSD is real. So I think that's something that, you know, it's good that more people are talking about that because well, I, think, I love what you you're doing because it's oh, like, you. it's like, I couldn't even say the word infertility. And like, honestly, still like it sometimes gives me like the heebie jeebies. Cause yeah. I'm like, like, well, no, like I'm not infertile. I've just had issues, but like, right. No, I know. It's a weird, it's a, not a good word. It's like, Ooh, I know we need a new phrase. <laughs> totally. Completely. But yeah, I agree with you. And it's hard to, to grapple with the fact that that's a diagnosis for so many of us. And I think there's also like the kind of gray areas where it's like, well, am I, but am I not, right. you know, like you're not really sure kind of where right. you like, fit I in. still have like, like hopes that like for, cause we want to have more kids sure. that like, you know, maybe I won't need to do IVF for Absolutely. all of them. Uh, but like, I'm okay with it if I have to, but I'm like, you know, just like whatever. It's like this, this like badge of achievement to be able to be like, Oh, I had, you know, a, a child naturally. Completely. And, and like, I get that. I may never get there, but like I, you kind of want that. <laughs> right. Did you ever end up telling the family or did they? Yeah, no, we, okay. we told the family and honestly, so like going through this whole experience and then, you know, when I started to connect the dots on like my skin issue to like uh -huh. my thyroid and just everything I had been through, I like really came to this like aha moment when I was like, holy shit, like my like thyroid was literally directly causing like a, probably a lot of my infertility issues and mm -hmm. like thyroid issues are also known to call, cause hyperflamic amenorrhea. Mm -hmm. So that even though they're like, oh, it's just because you're a runner, like it well, I'll never know for certain, but like it could, it probably is also because of my thyroid issue. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, I'm so frustrated because literally years before, if I had, you know, had some tests done, some proactive testing, I would have not only been able to figure out my skin problem, but then also kind of gotten some early insights into my potential infertility issues and been able to, you know, I, I believe like get some natural remedies around that. You know, I would have like got my IUD out, started tracking my cycle, got, right. you know, really gotten that like proactive care before I was kind of like, well, I wanted to be pregnant yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, you know, you kind of throw the book at the, the situation and, and from that, I was like, all right, that, that gave me the idea for veracity and mm -hmm. which, um, you know, we launched last year or end of last year. And in that, I was like, I've always been like a very personal, like private person, as you can tell from literally not telling a soul that we were going mm -hmm. through this. Right. Um, but now you're telling the whole world. Yeah. Which is <laughs> freaking scary. But, and I had to have a conversation with my husband. I was like, you know what? I think this is like sort of my life's mission. Like, it's like, I... I need to help women give, you know, 
give more proactive insights into their health, whether it's for fertility or, you know, and I really believe that like, you know, a lot of everyone wants better skin. And so if we can give people a better insight into their, you know, health that will help improve their skin and also maybe give them some insights into other stuff that's going on. Like that's so, that's so meaningful. And so I love it. So worthwhile. So absolutely. But from that, I was like, I got to tell my story. Otherwise people are going to be like, like, what's, where did you come up with this? And totally. And and that was like, so scary to be like, all right, I'm going to put it all out there. Yeah. But you know what? You are helping so many people. And even just from this conversation, telling people to advocate for themselves. I never knew that. And I think that that, you know, will people listening to this will feel empowered and be like, oh, I got to make, I got to look at the reports. I got to make the calls. I have to do the research. And they will. Yeah. So I hope so. I mean, even if you have a good doctor, it's just like, they just, they can't necessarily look into every single like case that much. So it's like, you got to be there to ask the questions and to get answers and to make your case, you know, matter. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Allie and definitely check out Veracity, her skincare line. Also, guys, this weekend is Fertility Rally Live. This is the event that Blair and I have been pouring our hearts into for months. We've got so many great speakers. We've got giveaways all day, powerful breakout sessions. You're going to walk away feeling supported and loved and empowered, and we would love to rally with you. So check everything out at fertilityrally.com. Follow us on Instagram at fertilityrally, and we hope to see you there. 